Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is, the, this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Thank you, Kendall. Good morning. So our elders have abandoned us. <laughs> That's not true. My name is Scott Hooper. I'm a deacon at Cross Point Community Church, and uh, we don't have elders here today. Uh, Kai is leading a first uh, launchbox team. Uh, they've got kids going to uh, Asia and Africa tomorrow. Lance has been in Waco uh, preaching at youth camp, and then he is heading, I think this morning, to uh, Mary Harden Baylor for a super summer, and Ryan and his family are on vacation. If you're new to Cross Point, uh, we believe in plurality of leadership. We're a elder and deacon-led body, and uh, so that's why I'm here today, because um, our elders aren't, and when they're not, then a deacon comes in. Um, also, um, we're not going to have a special Father's Day message today, so uh, I will incorporate some fa earthly fatherly things in my lesson today, um, but we teach expository teaching here, which means we just go through the books of the Bible, and uh, we've been spending our time in Genesis, and so we're going to continue that today. Now, Ryan lied to me because he told me the most visited day of church is Mother's Day, or one of them, and the least is Father's Day. And so I had some comfort knowing that we weren't going to have a very big crowd when we came in here today. <laughs> that is not the case, as we're still putting out more chairs. So I ask for your grace. This is not something that's comfortable to me. I've never spoken in this capacity um, like this. So we're going to get into God's Word. Um, we're going to talk about what the text says, and then we're going to talk about some application and uh, maybe you'll cry, maybe you'll laugh uh, for whatever reason, but <laughs> let's get started. So we see this recurring theme as we go through Genesis, um, and, and we started with the creation story in the fall, and then we had Cain and Abel, and now, uh, or then we had Noah and the flood, and now we have this kind of interesting story of the story of Babel. Um, right here after the flood. And it's very small, and on the surface may seem insignificant, but it's of great importance um, historically and, and uh, pointing forward towards Christ. So pay attention, and, uh, and we'll get into this. Um, so we start. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. 
And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. And it's, you've got to understand, and most all commentators agree with this, that the number of people, although there are varying opinions on how many people are on the earth at this time, it's almost unanimous that everyone believes there was less than a million people on earth. And the area that they were occupying was approximately 2,200 acres. And for visual reference, if, if you were to take a mile and a half wide by three miles long, or a mile wide by three and a half miles long, that's somewhere what the surface area you'd be talking about. And to put that in contrast, Rockwall County is approximately 96,000 acres. If you took a two inch by two inch square, that would be the piece of the pie that they were inhabiting. And so a very small area, and relatively speaking to where the world's population is now, a very small population. Um, we keep going, and, and this is where we get into the crux of the, of the issue. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We come to two, two things here. And the first is that word ourselves. And anytime you see ourselves or I in scripture, you know it's probably going bad because things have turned from God and towards ourselves. And it's the case here. It's a, it's a problem of their object of worship. And you go all the way back, I and mean, we see this pattern keep repeating through Genesis. God created Adam and Eve, and he gave them this beautiful place and everything they needed to survive, animals, plants, water, told them to set them apart as, cre as creation, something above and beyond everything else. And he told them to enjoy it and subdue it and fulfill the earth. And as soon as God turns his back, we have the fall. And we have God come down and redirect. And then we go to Cain and Abel, and they both bring offerings to God. And God finds favor in Abel's offering, and Cain's jealous. He kills Abel. So again, we have God providing and man turning their back on God. The flood, the whole world was corrupt. God destroys everything with the exception of a pair of every animal and Noah and his descendants because he found favor in them, that Noah was a righteous man. And we found as soon as they get off the boat, the ark, the first thing that Noah does is build an altar. Lance told us about that last week. And so you kind of see this recurring pattern of God providing and then God saving and then us turning our back on God. Romans 1.25 says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. I think the NIV version says worship the created rather than the creator. And the truth that they're talking about the truth that was exchanged for our lives that there's one God and we should have no gods before him. And it was the problem that Adam and Eve didn't see. It was a problem that Cain had. It was a problem that all the people of the earth had before the flood. And the people, it's a problem that the people here at the Tower of Babel had. As soon as God turns his back and sets everything up for you, we fail him and we start serving ourselves. Proverbs 16.25 says it this way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but, in the, but its end is the way to death. And I love those two scripture verses, and I, 
I tell myself that all the time. And, and Proverbs 16.25 is really a litmus test for me in that my first instinct, the first way I should react to my wife, uh, is probably not the right one. And um, our nature is to serve ourselves. Uh, we don't wake up in the morning. Let me, I'm not going to throw you in the boat. I don't wake up in the morning and my sole purpose and my sole everything is God, 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 I'm going to honor you. And that's what God wants, but being honest with you, that's not what, it's, what it is. There's this internal struggle between the spirit and Satan. Um, so we go, so we continue on in the story. And this is interesting. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible, impossible for them. Come, let us go down a second time, if you will. And there confuse the language so that they may not understand one another, one another's speech. And it's interesting because if you can imagine these people building this tower for themselves, for their name, um, to protect themselves um, from disbursement, uh, to make a name for themselves, and they look up and they see God coming down. Not all the way, because it says he comes down to see the city and tower, and then he's going to come down again to confuse the language and disperse them. And you know they had to have known what they were doing was wrong. Okay? Genesis 1, my vision's very bad too. Genesis 1, 28, when God leaves Adam and Eve, he tells them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. We see it again in Genesis 8:17 when Noah is about to get off the ark. God says, "Be fruitful and multiply." And after Noah builds the altar for God, God speaks to Noah's and Noah's descendants and says the same thing twice in the same paragraph in 9:1 and 9:7, "Be fruitful and multiply." And so that was the people's command, "Be fruitful and multiply." And in that way, they would honor God. That sounds like a pretty easy commandment, doesn't it? Um, but they didn't do that. Um, they were relying on themselves for protection. They were scared to disperse. Um, they found comfort in being in one location and building a city with walls. And they were relying on themselves and man to protect them. Some Father's Day imagery. Whenever I was growing up, well, let's come back to that. <laughs> so God comes down to look at the city and this tower. And you know, they had to have been looking up at this going, this is not good. Okay? We know in our hearts what we're doing here. And God's coming down. And then he comes down even further to issue the judgment and correction. And we don't know exactly what God did to disperse them. All we know from Scripture is that he, he changed their speech to where they did not understand one another, which in itself would make it very difficult to commu impossible to communicate and difficult to do any, make any progress on this tower or any other false idol that they may have. The imagery. Whenever I was younger, um, we had a game room downstairs 
And right above that game room where my parents was my parents' room. There's a staircase right there leading down to it. And I had a brother, I have a brother and a sister, and we all had friends. And our house was the house that everyone hung out at. Friday, Saturday night, there was going to be 20, 25 people there. My dad went to bed at 9 o'clock no matter what. And I don't mean went to bed. I meant his eyes were closed by 9 o'clock. And it, when I saw this, God coming down, and I'm no way comparing my dad to God. But going back to, to Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they heard God coming. And, and I just have this imagery of my dad because it was not good if we woke dad up. And we had a pool table down there. And inevitably, someone would wake him up and you would hear the stairs creaking as he came down. And my, he, was in, he was wearing what he went to bed in. And so whenever he would come down, everyone would scat, learn to scatter like cats. And I just imagine that imagery of God coming down, his people knowing what they should be doing and not doing it. And God probably didn't have to say anything. He, they, probably, they probably scattered, especially once they couldn't understand each other. We affectionately called those moments, my dad, people called him Big Hooper. When dad would come down the stairs after you woke him up, those were called Big Hooper in his underwear. <laughs> and you did not want to be around when that happened. Second story, I was at Texas Tech University. I was maintaining about a 2.4 GPA. In my junior year, an accounting and finance degree, my dad had multiple conversations with me about applying myself and studying, attending class and all these things. Kids, you can pay attention to this. And 8.30 in the morning, Wednesday, or one Monday, and I know it was 8.30 in the morning because I was supposed to be at class. I heard a knock on my door, and I went to the door, groggy-eyed, and who was it? It was my dad. And the way my dad drove, as slow as he drove, he would have had to have left Rockwall at 2 in the morning to get to Lubbock by, by 8.30. He asked a question, and he made a comment. The question was, should you be in class? My response was, yes, sir. I can't repeat what is statement was, but he turned around and walked out the door and drove back to Rockwall. He drove six hours there and six hours back to have a one-minute conversation with me. The rest of my time at school, I didn't miss another class. I made all A's and one B. Message delivered. Because I was clearly aware of who was in charge, who the authority was, and because I knew already what was expected of me, my dad didn't have to say much. It was the same way for the people in Babel. They knew what they should have been doing. And it, God, whether he did or not, whether he did or did not say anything, we don't know. But what we do know is that the message was delivered. And so God's people disperse. Why? Why was it important for them to disperse? Well, we talked about one instance of it uh, a minute ago in that it was to populate the entire earth. If you think about it, if God wanted all of his people to be in one spot, the earth would have been 2,200 acres, but it wasn't. It was an expansive place. And still to this day, only, there's still about 50% of what they call wilderness area, uninhabited area. And so this story takes place six to eight generations after the flood, and these people are still congregating in one spot, basically, and they haven't heeded this command to, to disperse. So God disperses them to populate the entire earth, and there's an element of obedience to that. It also creates the 
opportunity for mission. Go to Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there definitely is a missional element that we can do in our local community. But God doesn't call us to that. God calls us to the ends of the earth. And so by dispersing everyone, God creates the opportunity for mission. And it's an important aspect to the story of the Tower of Babel. Protection from a monarchy, and I'm a finance guy, so I, and Brad will appreciate this, but I, I, I lend it to putting all your eggs in one basket. It's not wise. And if all of these people had stayed in one spot and been under one rule, if, there were, if the government was ever overthrown, then it could have been a setback to God's plan, to God's people. And so by dispersing, you're going to have sects that wander, but you're going to have also tribes and nations that remain faithful. And it prevented a monarchy from happening by the wrong ruler. And what we talked about early, God disperses to, to redirect our worship, our object of worship for him. So that's kind of the text of the, the Tower of Babel. Um, you have God's people, again, disobeying and in need of rebuke and correction, and God provides that. So we're going to talk about now why does God direct, and this is going to start getting into a little bit of the application in our lives, okay? We looked at some detailed reasons on why he dispersed the people of Babel. I'm going to look at a bigger view of why God redirects. He redirects for our glory, for his glory and our good. First and foremost, he does that for the advancement of his kingdom. And when we talk about kingdom, and I'm really bad about this, I have, I have a tendency to say that this kingdom is a place. And really a lot of times in scripture, when you hear the word kingdom, it's talking about a realm, or a, I'm sorry, it's talking about a rule or a reign, not necessarily a realm. And so it says it well in Psalm 103, 19. It says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And so you get that language of a reign or a rule and not necessarily a realm. And so God redirects first and foremost for the advancement of his kingdom. And we could spend an eternity talking about different aspects of that. Second, to steer us away from sin. It goes back to some of the scripture we've already read um, today. But Proverbs 16.9 says it this way. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And there's some direct language there that can be applicable to the Tower of Babel, the people at the Tower. And there's language that's very applicable to us. Is that, like I was saying earlier, we wake up in the morning and Man, there's a struggle, and our heart isn't always 100% for God. And maybe we plan these things that are a little bit God-honoring, but maybe a little bit of it's to honor ourselves. What Scripture's telling us is, is that regardless of what we plan, God establishes our steps. And it really personifies that aspect of redirection. Um. Lance said two or three weeks ago, and this has stuck with me ever since, that sin is not a hindrance to God's plan. 
And I love, it, it seems pretty straightforward, but that has just stuck with me. I'm so glad that he said that. Um, you never know what you're going to pick up in worship that just sinks, sinks in. And I just love that. And it's freeing for me to know that I'm going to make mistakes along the way, but it's not going to alter God's plan. And he's going to take whatever folly I have and use it for his glory and my good. And that's comforting. How does God redirect? First, through the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. Jesus calls us a helper. Before he went to the cross, he told the disciples that a helper would come. John 16, 7 through 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And for me, I welcome that conviction. I need that conviction. I need that helper. I need that guide. And I need that spirit to redirect me. Because like I said, when I wake up in the morning, if God wants me going this way, a lot of times I'm going this way. How else? God redirects through others around us. And at Crosspoint, we have a really strong sense of community. If any of you have been in the new member class, I haven't sat in there, but I hope, and I'm pretty certain that Ryan has stressed our viewpoint of community. And it, there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one is scripture calls for it. It calls for the body of Christ to be in community. One of the reasons it calls for that is so someone that's there to redirect. If you have some major decisions to make, or maybe you've already made a major decision and it was the wrong one, you've got a body of believers around you to help guide you. God works through his people. God works through community to redirect. Sometimes God redirects us directly. It was much more prevalent in the Old Testament, but I think in today, well, I know in today's times, that we don't even know that God is actively, directly redirecting something. That was too many directs. Actively, directly redirect. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, this morning, I mean, Satan was kind of attacking us this week. I spent three different days at the Department of Public Safety trying to get a driver's license renewed, which really doesn't prepare your heart to come give a sermon. <laughs> then at four o'clock this morning, our power went off. And at 4.01, I had my three kids and my niece in bed with us. And I went to the office to uh, study, finish preparing for today's sermon. So it's been a long morning, like ready. Matter of fact, Tamara called me this morning and she said, I've got the best father, because the kids had gotten the Halloween costumes out. They had what else did they done? The, uh, tons of stuff. Oh, they were outside catching crawfish at like six in the morning. And uh, Tamara called. She said, I've got the best Father's Day gift for you. I'm going to let you spend the afternoon with your kids. <laughs> and I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm going to do that for you. So I just laughed about that. Um, but I guess I say that to say that I don't know. Maybe... 
maybe all of that happened and I went and I put one thing in my sermon that wasn't there before and it's going to touch someone in here and really hit home and then they make strengthen their walk or maybe make them come to Christ. And so we don't know a lot of times when God is directly redirecting. <laughs> um, but no doubt he, he is. Um, it, it's really important to remember that God's sovereign, right? We, he doesn't push the play button and then sit back and watch and not know what's going to happen. This, this stuff playing out underneath his kingdom is not new, not anything new to him. He knows. He knows every aspect of what has been, what is, and what will be. And so we can't just say anything's by circumstance. God is sovereign. God is in control of all of this. I think we lose track of that sometimes, especially kind of when we're reading the Old Testament text. So some application. This is not just a historical narrative, Okay. I already mentioned it a few times in this. This is us. We are the people building that tower. And I, sometimes we read, like I was saying, Old Testament texts, and we say, man, those people were crazy. I, I said in, um, used to teach a Sunday school class, and, I, and Ryan always makes fun of me, but I said, if I ever saw a burning bush talking, I would never disobey that, okay? And I mean, we are the people building this tower. I mean, God has exposed his truth to us, and we have turned our back on him. That wasn't um, particular just to Adam and Eve. It wasn't particular just to Cain. It wasn't particular uh, to the people before the flood. That is applicable to all of us. The Old Testament is not a separate story from the New Testament. And anytime, I don't think we've mentioned it in a few weeks, but just really try to drive that home that when we read these stories, these aren't separate from the New Testament. Everything in the Old Testament lays the foundation for the coming of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament points towards the coming of Jesus Christ. Some of it is very explicit in the Old Testament. Some of it you have to kind of dig. But if you read it in its entirety, it's all there. It all points to the need of a Savior and the coming of Christ. That was my next point. Everything points towards the need of a Savior. Lastly, is embracing God's redirection. Now this is tough. A lot of times, where we want to go, like the people at the Tower of Babel, is not where God wants us to go. And it's hard to embrace that redirection. And so that's where faith and God and his promises really come into play. That's where a relationship with Jesus Christ is really important. When God redirects and we don't understand, when God redirects and we're scared, we have the Holy Spirit, we have community, and we have God. So, so important. I'll share a little redirection that happened in my life in kind of has a father's element to it. My dad was my rock. If I needed anything financially, if I needed advice, if I needed a place to stay, I mean, my dad was always the type that said, this is the last dollar I'm giving you. And then a week later, I got the same speech. This is the last dollar I'm giving you. My dad would have done anything for me, my brother, and my sister. And 
in March of 2005, after a long battle with cancer, I lost my dad. A couple of months after that, I was in a very serious relationship and that ended too. I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety pills. I was drinking. I was hateful to almost everyone I knew, including my mom, my brother, and my sister. And what happened was, is I had exchanged the truth for a lie. My dad was my tower. My dad was my security. My dad was my city. And when that got pulled out from underneath me, everything else crumbled because I, I had it on a bad foundation. And that's not to say that I should, you shouldn't love your dad, but that is to say your dad is not God. My life was a mess. I went to see my doctor. He said, Scott, you need to, and I want to say two things to you. You need to exercise, which I hate to hear that. Second thing is, he says, you need to find Jesus. And I'm thankful that he said that because I knew of Jesus and I publicly had professed that I had turned my life over to him, but my actions were far different than what my words were. And that was a turning point in my life. That was redirection for me. And it was ugly because I lost a dad and I lost a serious relationship. And here I am 14 years later, I'm telling you I have the most wonderful wife in the world and three wonderful sons, and I'm telling you that I've lost my earthly father, but I gained a relationship with my heavenly one. And I would love to have my earthly dad here. But I have faith in the promises that we will meet again, and I have faith in the promises that God is a better dad than my earthly father. So, it's a lot. I told you you might cry, you might laugh. That's all I have today. Um, the Tower of Babel, again, seems insignificant, but it's very significant, okay? And it, it's another reminder that when we build a tower or we build a wall or we build a city, and for us that looks like an idol, that could be a person, that could be a thing, it could be possessions, whatever it is, that will fail, and that is not where God wants your object of worship. He will tear down the cities that you build, and it will be painful. He wants our focus on Him, and He wants our focus on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm uh, thankful, so thankful, um, that you've exposed this truth to us, that Time and time again, we're going to build towers, and uh, we're going to disobey you, and uh, I'm thankful for that truth, and I'm also thankful that you promised that you will be there to rescue us, to correct us, and to redirect us. And I just ask uh, for everyone today, um, and myself, that you continue to redirect, and that we would embrace that redirection, and that we would point more towards you instead of away from you. We love you and we're so thankful for everything that was accomplished on the cross. Amen.